Trump is no longer president, which means the work has only begun. But how did we get here? I'm your host, Kara Zelaya, and every month, Daily Coast will take you on a four-part conversation over one specific issue, all from a progressive perspective. We will highlight how our government has created a broken system, who that system disproportionately affects, and how we can counteract and move forward towards a more fair society. This month, we're discussing student debt. Hello, and welcome to How Did We Get Here? This is the third episode of a four-part series where we will be discussing student debt. Last week, we discussed some of the social justice elements regarding the student debt crisis. This week, I am joined by Alan Coolidge, the author of The Student Loan Scam, an expose of the predatory nature of the student loan industry. Alan is also the founder of Student Loan Justice. Student Loan Justice is the oldest, largest, and only grassroots group in the nation fighting for student loan justice. They've been around for 15 years and have been featured on everything from 60 Minutes to the New York Times to Vice News to MSNBC and Rolling Stone. They are a nonpartisan organization currently pushing the president to cancel student loans by executive order. With Alan, we are going to discuss why restoring bankruptcy protections alone won't solve the student debt crisis, what the founders would think about our predatory lending program, and how cancellation is our only clear path forward. Alan, thank you so much for joining us. I really want to hit the ground running with you. So what is at the core of our problem with student debt? And what are some of the initial roots of it? Well, it's great to be with you, Kara. This is really a consumer protection issue, and I would say even a constitutional issue at the core of it. You know, the founding fathers, who they themselves were being just savaged under predatory debt to King George, uh, Thomas Jefferson, George Washington, people like Robert Morris spent time in debtor's prison. Well, when they wrote the Constitution, if you look at the, the list of enumerated congressional powers in Article 1, Section 8, you see the power to raise an army. You see the power to declare war, the power to you know um, create currency, um, the p- power to create a judiciary. Well, ahead of all those powers that I just mentioned was the call for uniform bankruptcy laws. The founders were very concerned that the citizens uh, to be free must have these bankruptcy protections as unpleasant as I'm sure it was back then and still is now today to file. Um, it is the the great American playing field lever- leveler to keep lenders acting in good faith. And lo and behold, here we are 300 years later, uh, bankruptcy protections have been stripped uniquely from student loan. Now we're seeing the result. You know, this started back in the 70s when as a nation, we probably owed less than 15 million with an M dollars in student loan debt. Well, you take away bankruptcy protections. And I might add, they very conveniently also removed statutes of limitations in 1992 And here we are uh, nearly 30 years later, and not only are those two protections gone, also fair debt collection practices, truth in lending laws, uh, even state usury laws have been uniquely taken off 
the table for federal student loans and bankruptcy is gone uh, from private student loans. So this this disaster that we're looking at right now is precisely what the founders wish to avoid. I find that that is one of the biggest misconceptions that I come across when it comes to discussing student debt. Often people will say something along the lines of just file for bankruptcy like you would for any other loan. And that's just not an option for the majority of people who have student debt. I'd like to get into why this continues to happen. What is in it for the government? Because it it seems like a no-win situation, but someone has to be winning. It turns out that years and years, in fact, decades of White House budget data confirmed that for every dollar paid out on defaulted loans uh, by the federal government, the Department of Education ultimately recoups more than a dollar. You know, um, for example, credit cards, they are thrilled and amazed if they can get back, say, you know, 10 cents on the dollar on a defaulted credit card account. Well, in the case of federal student loans, it turns out the federal government has found a way to get blood from a stone in the absence of bankruptcy protections, in the absence of statutes of limitations, presence of this uh, just disgusting collection regime that has powers the likes of which no other lender has. Um Federal government has found a way to make us not a ton of money, but a significant profit, not a loss on defaulted loans. So this is a defining hallmark of a predatory, bad faith lending system. I pushed Alan to explain to me a little bit more. How is it that the federal government is making money off of these defaulted loans? And along with the addition of interest, The truth is that you can't run or hide from the federal government. When you owe the federal government money from your student loans, they can follow you into retirement and take money from your social security checks when you're a senior. You could be fired from public employment. They can garnish your wages without a court order. And it's all extremely easy because there's no asset to repossess, right? If Someone who owns a farm goes bankrupt, you take the tractor, you take the barn, you find some place to store it, you get a warehouse, you have to pay all this money and all of these court costs. With student loans, none of those collection costs exist. With a press of a button, you garnish someone's wages, you get them fired from public employment, you can even get people's driver's license and certainly professional licenses removed. It is an absolutely huge, horrible government overreach. This is not a bad borrower problem. The borrowers are as responsible or as irresponsible as they have ever been. What has changed is this lending system backstopping higher education in this country. Right, absolutely. And People would be shocked to learn who really is affected by this. In a previous episode, I discussed how there was so much racial inequity when it comes to student debt. Equally as important is the fact that two-thirds of the debt is owned by women. So this is a women's issue. And there's a lot of misconceptions about what age this tends to affect because this is not just a young person's issue anymore. 
There are more people over the age of 50 with student loan debt, I kid you not, than there are people under the age of 25. More people over the age of 50 than under the age of 25 holding student loans. Not that they took out for their kids, but that they took out for their own college. And they owe about three times as much. You know, people say, oh, you know, you get most of your student loans in your 20s. You pay them off in your late 20s, 30s, probably done in your 40s. If you're 50 and you still have student loans, you're probably an outlier. Well, no, that's exactly wrong. There are more people over 50 than in the younger age group. We realized uh, just a couple of weeks ago that um, of the 50 states in the country, 19 of the 50 states, the citizens of those states owe more in student loan debt than the entire state budget. The kicker here is that most of those states voted for Donald Trump in the last election. Um, and most of that is owed, by the way, nearly 90% to the federal government. That's such a mind-boggling stat for me because... All of that money could be used inside of those states to strengthen the middle class, to increase class mobility. And it's just so frustrating that something that can be wiped away with a single signature is causing so much duress and so much opportunity cost. How many different ways can you point to that this wrecks the country? People with existing healthcare costs, younger people not able to start a family, not able to start businesses. Um, what's the social cost of 45 million federal student loan borrowers and 10 million private student loan borrowers and co-signers walking around this world with their tail between their legs, afraid to take risks? It's too late for this lending system. You know, we've, we've seen failed lending systems in the past, never on this scale, but right. look at subprime home mortgages last decade. Far better to cancel them now in a nice way that makes people happy and, you know, stimulates the economy and doesn't leave 45 million people, you know, bitter and resentful and sort of indentured to the government when the government's never going to get this money. It's just it's just not by all rational metrics. If they even get back 15 cents on the dollar for this supposedly one point to eight or two trillion dollars of student loan debt, I'd be surprised. So what are the next steps or. Even the first steps, what can the government do to rectify this massive problem? Without a doubt, Biden, by executive order, quite frankly, needs to immediately call on Department of Education to stop opposing bankruptcy uh, filers on student loans in bankruptcy court. Congress has got to return bankruptcy protections to all the loans. Because remember, the, the president can only cancel federally owned. And by the way, the, the law on that is very clear, despite what we're seeing in the headlines today. Um, and I urge everybody to look at the Higher Education Act, uh, the relevant sections. Congre Congress gave the president and the secretary full unambiguous authority to broadly waive, compromise, release its interest in student loans. But, you know, there are still quite a few student loans out there that cannot be canceled by fiat, by executive order. The president can cancel these loans right now without needing to uh, take one dime from the federal treasury. And this just would not add anything to the national debt. Now, some conservatives can say, yeah, but this is taxpayer, the, the, this is money that the taxpayer would have gotten. Well, no, it's really not. You know, and what, whatever the taxpayer might be short uh, after the loans are canceled, um, given all the profits that's been made over the, certainly the past 10, but probably past couple decades, 
whatever they might be short is in the, you know, $100 billion, $150 billion range. At the end of the day, nothing will alter the fact that this lending system, there just is no saving it. It's got to go away. The loans are essentially vanishing into a mist of illegitimacy as we speak. Alan, I can't thank you enough for your time and your expertise. If you're interested in reading some of the studies that Alan and his team have written, please check out studentloanjustice.org. If you'd like to tune in next week, be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Tune in next week as we continue discussing student debt reform and what changes we can make to create a more equitable society. I'm Kara Zalaya, and it's been a pleasure talking to you. See you next week.